Welcome to the Men Leading Men podcast. My name is Tim Jacobs. Thank you so much for joining today, where the goal is to help men who are new to leadership or those aspiring to leadership become more self-aware and equipped with actionable tools to craft and improve your leadership and its impact. In our last episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with my longtime friend, Bo Hynote. He gave some inspiring insight into faithfulness and what that looks like in the life of a leader. If you've not already done so, I encourage you to go listen to that episode and let me know what you think. And along those lines, that's something else I want to do more of. I want to hear from you, the listener. I want to know from you how I can help you in your pursuit of leadership. So in an upcoming episode, I'll be doing a Q&A session and I want to answer listener questions. There are a few ways that you can submit these questions and, and they are available to you even today. First, you can send me a direct message through my Instagram account, the Men Leading Men Instagram account at Men Leading Men Now. You can also email me at menleadingmennow at gmail.com or if you'd like to leave an audio message, you can record it at speakpipe.com forward slash men leading men. Any one of those ways you can send me a message and I will be more than happy to take those questions and I look forward to hearing from you. I can't wait to see what kind of questions you have about being new to leadership. For today's episode, our goal is to discuss what's underneath our self-sabotage. And in this discussion, I want to encourage you to stop saying this word. Stop saying the word can't. You know, when we were young, growing up, our, our parents forbade us to say certain words. I'm sure yours did as well. Not that every word they didn't want us to speak was earth-shatteringly terrible. Maybe some were, but they were trying to instill in us better behaviors than unintelligently spewing out words that truly reflect what's on the inside. By choosing our words carefully, it had a huge impact on how we spoke to one another, whether that was to my brothers at home that was at school, anywhere in public, our church, essentially everywhere. And at the time, while we didn't fully understand what was so horrible about some of those words, outside of being them cheap substitutes for curse words, perhaps, the practice was still a daily one to watch what we said. And while my wife and I have incorporated that approach with our children, that one particular word I can say that I hate when I hear it spoken is the word can't. Whenever my kids attempt to throw this word out, I refuse to listen to that conversation, the comments that follow, until they change their grammar. There's almost no word I would rather hear less of than the word can't. There are a lot of poisonous words that we can speak to others, that we can speak to ourselves. But there's few that do damage like this word. And we tend to throw it around so much that we don't even realize that we're saying it. When our children were younger, toddler age, 
they all love to say that they can't reach the light switch. Well, I don't know about your house, but at our house, we don't keep the light switch hidden. We don't keep it six feet off the ground in every room. Normally, a, a small stool or a stepladder can assist them in reaching their target, which were usually somewhat close by. And whenever they would say they couldn't reach it, I would tell them they had to choose different language. In fact, my exact response has always been, we don't say that word. I would insist they change their defeated remark into a question or ask them to figure out a way to solve their problem. Often, I would hear them respond to our requests with the comment, I can't, it's too hard. But it's, a, it's amazing how they ascribe that attribute to their task, often before they've even tried. How do you know it's too hard and you can't accomplish that? You haven't even attempted it yet. That's usually me in frustration, seeing them stand there with no initiative. And as adults, we tend to look at those simple things like reaching a light switch or maybe another simple household chore, and we roll our eyes because they become things we don't even think twice about getting done. Do you know when I never hear my kids use the word can't? When they're playing pretend and they're using their imagination. When we put down the electronics and break out the Nerf guns or they pull out all these adventure costumes we've compiled over the years and they create a story. They create an adventure with the things that they have around the house. When limits are removed and replaced with whatever creative thought that may pop into their heads that day. When time is irrelevant, money doesn't exist, and literally nothing is impossible. It's in this realm of creativity, in this realm of imagination, it's in this time that they quote-unquote quote play pretend, that they have this determination that they'll rise up with where nothing is off limits. And it's during this time, you'll never hear them say the word can't. It doesn't even exist. So if that was you when you were younger, if you had a tendency to use your imagination, be creative and play pretend, when does it slip back in? When do we allow ourselves to get back into this understanding that we're going to use this word again? Does it come back when we become teenagers? Does it come back when we're out of the house and starting our career? Maybe a little bit later in life when we're settled, we're comfortable. We perhaps have developed a routine and we're resigned to the path we're on being a never-ending one. I would ask you today, when is the last time you used the word can't? And when you did use it, what was it in reference to? Maybe if you're listening to this podcast today about leadership, maybe you've listened to this and multiple podcasts and you've read books and you've heard people discuss leadership in general and the practice of it. Have you ever said, I can't be a leader? Have you ever said, I can't influence others? 
Have you ever said, I can't be a good example? I, I can't do what it takes in order to fulfill that role. What does that role require of me? What, what does leadership require of me? It requires me to be vulnerable and I can't be vulnerable. It requires me to learn a new skill and I, I can't learn a new skill. It might require me to go back to school to learn some things. And, and maybe in this day and age, that interpretation of school is more broad and the returning back to school means I need to take some courses. I need to go to some conferences. I need to learn and listen and, and understand and adopt these behaviors and these things in my tool belt. Maybe you said, at this stage in my life, I can't change my story. Maybe you say that because of the conditioning from how you were raised. Maybe it's been the conditioning of your job and the influences around you. I would say if you keep using that word, you're exactly right. You can't. You can't even get past that sentence because of how much power that word exerts over you. I think it was Henry Ford that said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And if we adopt that understanding of thinking that we can't, and we use that so often that it becomes ingrained, it becomes habit, it becomes our nature, then eventually the more we think it, the more we believe it. And the more we believe it, the less likely we are to come out of it. But that's not how I want this conversation to go today. I want to talk about some things that I learned in my attempt to train my children in such a way that they stop using that word. Are we perfect at it? No. Does it still slip out? Yes. Do I even catch myself saying it at times? Yes, absolutely. And I immediately stop and retrace my steps and figure out a different way to frame this comment, this conversation, this attempt at whatever I'm trying to do. So that's what I want to talk about today. Three things that I learned and hopefully you can learn as well so that we can stop saying this one word. So let's get into it. So the three things that I learned in my attempt to help my children and train them to stop using this word has to start with this very first concept. And that is we have to retrain our brain. We, we have to start there with this conditioning of how we're going to approach things. And we have to retrain our brain. And the other two things fall in line with this and they are the what to the retraining part of it, but this is where we have to start. You see, as they begin to receive responsibilities and expectations placed on them, something about these tasks just seems insurmountable. And particularly when it's their very first time, when they are new to a project, that's when they start to reach into that defeatist mindset and they pull out this word that I usually label as disgusting. This disgusting word can't. But that's the problem. You see, whatever limit they place on their abilities usually happens before they even attempt it. It's 
often in the form of the statement, I could never, or I don't know how. Well, yes, one of those is probably true. Perhaps you don't know how, because it's the very first time you're new to this project. It's the first time I've ever asked you to complete this task. It's the first time I've asked you to even think about it. And in regards to the other statement, I could never, how do you know you could never if you've never tried? How, how do you even know that you don't have the capacity, you don't have the ability to do these things? You haven't even attempted it. So now let's turn the attention away from my children and let's turn it on ourselves. When is the last time that you were asked to complete a project or start something new or try something new? When is the last time that you were placed into a situation where you had to learn a new skill? Maybe you started a new job. Maybe there was a situation that pertained to leadership and they needed someone to lead and you had never done that before. What's the first thought that went through your mind? Have you conditioned yourself to immediately accept the fear and accept the inadequacy that you placed on yourself that says, I could never stand up and lead this group of people. Are you saying to yourself and to those around you, I don't know how, and that's where I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to learn how. I'm not going to attempt and undertake this with everyone knowing it's a learning opportunity. Are we just going to place our heels down in the sand and not move. Just plant yourself and not go anywhere. Now, I was reading a book on finances last month, and the principal explained in the realm of finances and, and what the author was saying applies perfectly here to this conversation. The author said, instead of saying, I can't, we should start to say, how can I? So the principle I think applies, whether it's our finances, our leadership, either way, we should apply the same method of retraining our thinking, retraining our brain. Instead of you saying to me, I can't lead, begin to say, how can I lead? I'm curious how many of you out there listening to these podcasts about leadership and listening to our conversations and our talks and as we try to move down the road of giving these principles and these methods and these tools and as we talked about and we say in every single episode we're trying to become more self-aware we're trying to be equipped with actionable tools in order for us to craft in order for us to improve not only our leadership but also its impact. How many of you simply are consumers of content? And maybe it's this and other things. Maybe it's a multitude of things that you're constantly consuming. Maybe it's some things that you're trying to consume to help you with all these arrows in your quiver and all these tools in your toolbox. You're just trying to gather all these tools, but you're not going to do anything with them. Because in your mind, you've been conditioned and you've been trained to say, I can't lead because I don't know how. Maybe these two statements are in succession here. I could never lead because I don't know how to lead. And because of that, because I don't know how, I'm not going to try because I could never. And now we're in a loop here. Now 
we have said I could never, I can't. And I can't because I don't know how. So therefore, since I don't know how, I can't and I could never. And we, we go back and forth with this. But why aren't we trying to instill in ourselves and instill in our thinking the concept of how can I? If we turn this around and we say, I haven't ever led, but how can I lead? Then we'll go on a discovery. We'll go on this journey that would take us into the realm of understanding how we can, of eliminating the terminology that's a defeatist mindset and a defeatist attitude. Because when we get to this point, it's very narrow-minded of us to think this way. Because when we say these things and when we don't even attempt, when we don't even try, we are neglecting the people that are looking out there and asking to be led. We are looking out and we're not capturing the desire and the hunger of the people that are out there that want to be led into a place where they can be successful in their lives. People want good leadership. They want people to lead them. But the challenge is getting that courage enough to say, I will lead. I may not know how. I may not be the best, but I will lead. We'll do this together. I'll start down this road first. That way, as you're following me, then I'll be able to tell you which way to go. I'll be able to tell you which way to avoid. I'll be able to tell you what to look out for. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to retrain your brain. And it's as simple as catching yourself every time you hear the word can't. Every time you hear someone else say the word can't, you need to have this on high alert. I would also suggest have somebody in your life that helps you to catch this word. Commission people in your life and say, please listen to my conversations with you. And every time I say this word, call me out on it. Every time you hear me even use language that is synonymous to can't or sounds defeatist, then call me out on it. You see, what happened with my son is that when we started to tell him, don't use the word can't, to him it was about the word and it wasn't about what the word meant. It wasn't about the entire implication of what he was saying. So all he would do is rephrase what he said using different words. But it still meant the same thing. It still meant he couldn't do it. The challenge here is not for us to rephrase the terminology that we use and to just use a word that's synonymous to this so that we get around saying that word. It's about the entire mindset and it's about retraining our brains. We have to begin to do this so that we can start down this road of actually making some progress. Because if, if we want to be a leader, if we want to be a better leader, then we have to stop saying this word. And before we move on, I will ask you, think about the things that you would want to hear from your leaders. Would you want them to say they can't lead you? Is that what you would want to hear from them? Would you want to say to somebody else, you can't lead them? Would you want to say that to your spouse? For those of you that are married, would you want 
to say that to your children, for those of you that have children, would you want them to hear those words from you? If that is not something you want to do, then we have to start with retraining our brain. And as we begin to uncondition ourselves and scrap all of this mindset that has built up over the years, where do we go from here? If we truly are in this place where we've moved from I could never, when where we've moved from I don't know how, and we've changed our thinking to I want to be able to, how can I? The first thing that we have to get in the habit of doing is asking for help. So in this understanding and this learning, the three things that I learned, the first thing I learned was had to retrain my brain. I had to do it. Uh, That's what we attempt to do with our children. So I had to do it personally, and I have to do it with my children. The thing that follows the retraining, so the second thing I've learned is I have to ask for help. And I will be the first to admit that I have a tendency to try everything in my power to do things before myself, before I bring someone along to assist. And I'll tell you, that's gotten me in a lot of trouble over the years. That's gotten me in trouble when I really needed someone to help me out in a situation and I didn't ask for help. I didn't ask to even bring somebody into what I was going through to see if they could help because I had too much pride. I had too much pride in myself to let them in on an area that I thought I was very weak in, but I didn't want them to see my weakness. I didn't want them to see my failures. I didn't want them to see it because at this point in my life, I'm an adult. I should know these things. I should know how to do everything. I shouldn't make mistakes like this. The danger in this approach continuing is that I'm going against the help that's already there for me. There's already help that's there for us, whether it's materials, whether it's mentors, whether it's leaders in our life that can give us sound advice and wisdom. Scripture says in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. There's safety if you just ask people to help you. If you just ask somebody their advice If you do this to those who have been down the road and with those who have been down the road, if you do this to people who understand because more than likely they've been where you are. There's also a scripture in Philippians where Paul tells us we can do all things. But it doesn't just say you can do anything. He he doesn't stop there. He continues. You can do all things. But these things that you need to do, you can do it through the strength and the help of Christ Jesus and this dependence on the Lord by whom we can do all things. It's not exercised if we're participating in immoral acts. He's, he's not saying that everything is free reign and, and God is going to give us the strength to do everything. But if we're pursuing acts that are leading us towards righteousness, that are leading us towards things that are part of his will and his plan, then we can depend on his strength. But we have to ask. See, we can do these things, but we have to ask and we have to be willing to receive the help that comes to us because typically when we want to do something and we ask for help, it might not be the help that we think we want. If we go back to the example of my children asking me for help, they want help to turn the light on. Yes, but they don't necessarily 
want to receive my response because my response is, this isn't something you need my help with. This is something that you can do on your own. Yes, ask me for help, because if you've never done this task before, ask me, how do I do this? And if I tell you, you can do it this way, then do it that way. Sometimes we ask, wanting it done for us. If we ask for help and we want things done for us every single time, then we really don't want help. We just want to absolve ourselves from having to get the task done. We want to deflect our responsibility onto someone else and just let them do it. But see, that's not how this is designed. There's already help there for us. I will say in personal, from personal experience, every single time that I have opened up my mouth and asked for help, every single time, in some form or fashion, I got what I needed. Maybe not what I wanted, but I got what I needed. And I also got what I needed through grace. You see, maybe it came in the form of advice or correction. Maybe it came in the form of financial assistance. Maybe it came in the form of, of somebody just physically helping me do something. But it always came with a lot of grace. I've never encountered a situation, at least for me in my life, I can say this. I don't know about your experiences, but I've never encountered a situation in my life where I truly needed help. And when I asked for it, I was met with judgment, with condemnation. And I can say that the people that I have asked help from are the people who I know in my life love me and would give me that help. So when we're trying to retrain our brains, when we're trying to ask for help, we're doing it from people who want to help us and people want to help us succeed. The problem is that too often, a lot of us look at ourselves and we think, I'm a control freak. I can't ask for help. I can't sit in the passenger side of a car and let somebody else drive. I have to be behind the wheel. I have to be the one who's navigating this travel time. I can't let you be in control. Or maybe you're not a control freak. Maybe you just don't know where to turn for help. Maybe you're the type of person that, like I mentioned earlier, I have a tendency to do this. I think it makes me look weak or vulnerable, or inadequate. I often thought it makes me look dumb. And interpret this as harsh as you will in your own life, however weak or vulnerable or inadequate, whatever you want to ascribe to yourself. Interpret that to you as hard as you will, because honestly, we are our worst critic in life. We have a tendency to hand out insults to ourselves quicker than anyone else. You see, I'm more than happy to help when my children ask me to flip the light switch on, but I want them to ask. I'm more than happy to help them learn how to do it themselves. I want them to ask me though. You see, there may be a number of people that would gladly lend a hand to you. They would gladly point you in the right direction, but you have to ask. So how do you retrain your brain? How do you stop saying this word? Well, you have to ask. And if we're going to get into this habit of asking, the main thing we have to do is toss away this heavy coat of pride that you think makes you invisible to everyone else who actually wants to help you out. 
and take them up on their offer. Trust me, it's worth it. They want to help you and you'll be better for it. And the last thing, the third thing here that I've learned, which again goes into retraining our brain. The first thing to retrain our brain is ask for help. The last thing here is we have to shift gears into problem solving mode. We, we have to condition ourselves to problem solve. And that can be challenging. It can be really difficult today because too often things are done for us. We've made life so easy. There's so many conveniences in life that typically other people solve our problems. And in some cases, that's okay. And it's fine, but not in every single case. In some cases, we need to shift gears into problem solving mode. You see, I don't want my children to lose the art of solving problems because I know what life is full of. <laughs> life is full of problems. Life is full of challenges. That doesn't mean that life is full of despair. It just means that real life consists of problems. It consists of challenges. That doesn't mean that these problems are insurmountable. These challenges are meant to destroy us. These problems and these challenges are in our way. They are in our paths for us to solve them, learn, and grow from them. We need to be able to think for ourselves, and we need to have the ability to solve problems. If we don't do this, then overall in our life, advancement ceases. You see, as a society, as individuals, even totally as humanity, we're all faced with this exact same enemy. We're faced with the same enemy that says you can't solve this problem. You can't overcome this challenge. The hand that you've dealt is too critical, it's too insurmountable, and you can never get past this. Well, if we continue to say this ugly, disgusting word, then that's true. We have to, in our lives, if we want to be a better leader, if we want to be in leadership, we can't condition ourselves to think that this problem can't be solved. You know, sometimes what we need is we need a different perspective. And that's often what asking for help brings us. If we look at it in a different way, if we stop what we're doing, and we don't necessarily try to solve the problem, but we just change our perspective, change the way our vantage point, that the way we're looking at it. I remember growing up and playing games with my grandma and we would sit at the table and we would play this game called Boggle. If any of you have ever played Boggle, you know what I'm talking about. But for those of you who don't, it's a game with all these different dice with letters instead of numbers on them. And they're in this, uh, I don't know exactly what to call it, but they're in this contraption where you can shake it up and all the, the dice, they land into this grid where they're held and the letters show and you race the clock to see how many unique words that you can make with the letters that are showing and they have to be touching. And then you, at the end of time, you compile the score and you move from there. But what we would do is this grid in the shape of a square would be set a certain way and our chair would be a certain way at the table. 
Well, at some point in the game, when someone would get stuck, they would reach over and they would turn the grid so that they saw the same letters, the same grid, but from a different perspective, from a different vantage point. And what that allowed you to do is it allowed you to see words that you didn't see before. It was simply getting a different perspective because we just turned the grid. I would ask in problem-solving mode, what resources, if you were to stop and get a different perspective, what resources do you have that will help you problem-solve? Or what resources have you determined that you need that you can quickly attain? When it comes to problem-solving mode, there's usually more than one way to solve a problem. And just because at that moment, the resources that you need are not available to you or you don't possess, that doesn't mean that you can't possess them. Go get them. Find someone who has them. Perhaps to problem solve, you use trial and error. Use that trial and error to your advantage. If you're faced with a problem, don't just sit there and think this problem cannot be solved. We have to change our way of thinking and say, how can I solve this problem? How can I get someone to help me solve this problem? But ultimately, in problem-solving mode, that means that we don't sit there. We have to try something. So as we move through this opportunity that's right in front of us from a leadership perspective, if you're trying to be in leadership, if you are a new leader, then you have to stop saying the word can't. You have to retrain your brain. You have to ask for help. And you have to move into problem-solving mode. An easy way to stay right where you are, to stifle growth and advancement, is to continue to use the word can't. But the opposite is also true. An easy way to be content, to make progress to see growth, to have advancement, is to retrain your brain, to not use that word, to ask for help, to move into problem-solving mode, shift gears in your thinking and move into problem-solving mode. Well, that does it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining today. And if there is one thing that you would say you need to start implementing from this conversation today, what would that one thing be? I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me and let me know. Use one of those ways that I mentioned earlier in the podcast on how you can get in touch with me. And don't forget to pose your questions so that we can have a Q&A from our audience in an upcoming episode. That does it for today's episode. As always, I aim to simply share the ways we can develop our leadership to have a lasting imprint on men and families for generations to come. Remember, the journey to being a leader is a hard road. It's a long road. It's a bumpy road. But you can do it. 
That does it again for this episode. For those of you listening, thank you for joining. I hope you've learned something to help you in your pursuit of being a better leader. If you would, do me a favor as we wrap up this episode. Subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified whenever a new episode is posted. If you enjoyed it, give it a rating on whatever platform you've chosen to listen through. And that'll help the Men Leading Men podcast more easily show up in the list of available podcasts so we can have the opportunity to share this message with new listeners. Thanks again for being here today. I hope you join me for the next episode.